1: Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. In this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by Jim Calhoun. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the former head coach of UConn, winning three national championships there currently. He is now the head coach of Division Three St. Joseph's in West Hartford, Connecticut. But most importantly, for these purposes, we want to hear from Jim Calhoun as UConn is going back to the Big East in all sports except for football. Get his take on that. And then later in the podcast, i will be joined by Bruce Weber. He's the head coach of Kansas State, but for a few weeks this summer, in June and in July, he's the head coach of USA Basketball's under-19 team. They'll be trying to go for gold in Greece. They've got a number of players who played in college basketball last season and those that are joining the sport in the years to come. So before we even get to any of that, let's deal with the headlines. First off, UConn. UConn has decided to go back to the Big East, founding member of the league in 1979. And remember, the Big East left UConn. UConn did not leave the Big East. Basically, they got the name and they got Madison Square Garden when the seven- Catholic schools left the old Big East to form a new conference, adding three others in Butler, Creighton, and Xavier. UConn has Division I football. The other 10 schools did not. And that was the driving force in the new Big East. UConn has tried to maintain a high level of college football, and it's been hard in the American Conference, which is a very good football league. It's the best outside the Power Five. That's why they call it the Power Six. In the American Conference. The reason UConn is doing this, well, there's a number of reasons. First off, it gets them back to its roots, okay? Back in their neighborhood. For all sports, not named football, they can start having bus trips again, with bus trips to Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, take the bus or the train to DC. I still live in the area and I've seen softball teams, tennis. Golf, volleyball, at the airport, schlepping all around the country to conference games. So they're going to save in the long term a lot of money in those non-revenue sports. It just makes sense. And I've been a firm believer long term for the sustainability of college athletics. I think we need to get back to regionalization of sports not named men's basketball, football, uh, and to some degree, if you're going to fund it correctly, then women's basketball. Other than that, all the other sports should be regional. There's no reason that sports that aren't making money should be flying all over the country. We should be, And some of the leagues, you'd be able to do that without you know, having to change conference affiliation. But in a number of leagues, you could just do it regionally. And I think in the long term, that's where we may be headed. Now, clearly, some of those leagues, like the Big Ten, the SEC, to some degree, the ACC, are making enough money off their television contracts that they can help fund the travel of the non-revenue sports. That's not the case in the majority of conferences. So UConn is doing this for the long-term financial health, for the trickle-down effect where the basically the big boosters and the people who donate want to be re-energized. They need this to be re-energized. Uh, they've got an aging, decaying facility in downtown Hartford called the XL Center that needs help. It's not going to get it solely from the state. And so you want people to be uh, contributing members who want to definitely get in there and help build it. To do that, you change leagues, and you get back to playing the teams that everyone's familiar with. But I want to be clear about something, and I'll talk to Jim Calhoun about this. The American Conference had nothing to do with UConn struggling over the last five years since winning the national championship in 2014. That's on UConn. You cannot point blame anywhere else. And people could say, oh, you know, it was hard to recruit to the league. People weren't excited about playing East Carolina Tulsa. You know what? I don't buy it for a second because you can dominate a league by recruiting well, saying that our goal is not to win a league. Our goal is to win the national championship. We're going to get to Madison Square Garden every year, which they pretty much did. Okay? We're going to play a number of regional teams, which they did. Okay? Okay? series with Villanova, maintained a series with Syracuse. You know, they played Providence, an exhibition game. They could do all that and did. And so that's not an excuse. For the donor class, sure, I get it. You weren't excited to see those schools. For the attendance, I get it. But don't blame their lack of success on that. You can go down the line, UNLV, Gonzaga, schools that have played in lesser-known conferences without national brands and dominated them, and it wasn't an issue. So that's a cop-out. For the football program, and I know we're a basketball podcast, but it all affects it, they're going to go independent. They're going to try to make a go out of it. Look, they put tens of millions of dollars into that program. Ideally, you know, my opinion is they could have great success, one level down. I mean, Maine, an old, old rival, you know, has been in the national championship game at the FCS level. Villanova, Georgetown have football programs at that level. So there's plenty of competition. Uh, I mean, a year ago, you or I at that level, Rhode Island, should have beaten them in Hartford. So, but they're not going to do that yet because they got a state-of-the-art practice facility. They just spent or have, you know, donations for a new locker room. It'd be hard to turn to those boosters and say, Yeah, you know, I know you guys gave us tens of millions of dollars. Sorry, we're dumping this program. Uh, oh, by the way, we need more money. For everything else, we want to build back up the XL Center. So you have to tread lightly on that. I get that. I get the optics. I get the politics. So it's, And also, by the way, I do not see this being a domino effect in alignment. If the American does anything, maybe they try to get a BYU or an Army football-wise. I don't think they're replacing them with an all-sports member. I just don't see it. Everything's about revenue. And as for the Big East, I see them staying pat. They got a Fox contract which UConn will shift to, and I don't see how adding Dayton or St. Louis just to get to an even 12. The only school basketball-wise that adds to the Big East outside of UConn would be Gonzaga. Gonzaga would love to be in the Big East, but you could only do it in men's basketball unless you're going to pay for women's basketball to fly out there as well. I don't think you will, uh, even though they got a great women's basketball program. Uh, Maybe they would, but that would be the only way. You couldn't do it for the other sports. But getting to my point, you regionalize the other sports, you could make it work. On our website, on our social media, my new Power 36 post-NBA post draft, uh, Michigan State will remain number one. You'll see that on there. Kansas will be moving up to two, dumping Kentucky just down one spot. Some other movements, you'll see movement from Memphis. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I gave them a chance Before I anointed them, I had them at four previously. Moved down Texas Tech, Virginia, based on who they lost, but not too far. And made a couple other moves that you can see. So I know that'll generate a lot of discussion and debate. And one other thing I want to clear up from the NBA draft. The players that did not get drafted, and there were, I think, 44 that declared from the underclassmen. Most of these players, if not all, were done with college for whatever reason. Or they clearly thought they should be in the NBA or playing professionally. So, you know, it's all of, and I don't say us, meaning me, but a lot of other people putting their opinions on top of people saying, basically, you shouldn't have declared, you should go back. Well, I don't know if they really wanted to. And that's fine. No one should force you. The rule, though, that everyone wants back, which is that if you go through the draft and you don't get selected, you should go back to school. Well, there was an undergraduate advisory committee that did approve that pending a new collective bargaining agreement between the NBA and the Player Association, which probably won't happen before 2022. And the reason is this. You don't want players going through the draft twice. You also don't want, so you've gone through the draft. Okay, now you're back at school. Hey, what if you have a great Maui Invitational, you're playing for Kentucky and, you know, the Celtics say, hey, you know what, we're going to call you up right now. You can't have that be a viable option. There needs to be a new rule through the CBA of the NBA and the M- and Players Association, how they're going to handle players who have gone through the draft one time and not been selected. You're going to need some sort of binding agreement that if you go back to college, you cannot go to an NBA team, whoever may draft your rights, if you do it that way, until the end of your college basketball season. There has to be something in writing that states that, that is collectively bargain between the two parties. Right now, that doesn't exist. So they have to go through that first. And then we'll see if players want to choose that option. But one thing we did see with the NBA draft is experience matters. A lot of teams took guys in the first round and high second who played more than one season of college basketball. And I think that trend will continue, as we saw in the NBA Finals with Fred VanVleet, four-year guy from Wichita. Kawhi Leonard was not a one-and-done. I know he's a special talent, but I'll include him. You know, Pascal Siakam, New Mexico State. So these players that went to non-traditional schools uh, in terms of the power schools stayed a couple years, if not all four, and were successful in the league. And I still think there's value on that. The NBA puts value on that as well. And I think that trend will continue. So check all that out. Now let's uh, discuss that move for UConn to the Big East with the Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, uh, the Hall of Famer, former UConn coach, current St. Joseph's coach, Jim Calhoun, to discuss uh, UConn, the Big East, the American, uh, and uh, all things, uh little basketball here. Coach, uh, the news that UConn would be heading back to the Big East, it likely will, nothing official now as we're talking on Monday, but likely to happen later this week with a formal invite from the Big East, got to get through the board at UConn, but uh all those things should occur uh they'll have to deal with the exit fee from the american which could be a minimum of 10 million dollars but things logistically that need to be worked out but overall the issue would that they would be going back to the big east uh first off what's your initial reaction to that move
0: well when i first heard it i mean I, i've been asked by a few other people uh a while back in administration and stuff uh, about what i thought and you know, I just think that you can invent rivalries. I think that uh, when UConn plays Providence and, and St. John's and Seaton Hall and Georgetown, and those people come in, it, it, that alone started with excitement. You know, neighborhood battles are good things. you got to, you know, kind of the idea where everybody knows your name. That's a good deal, and, and there's no doubt in my mind anyways, that uh, it's going to be good for UConn basketball. I think it's going to be good for UConn. I mean, think about the travel expenses we've had where we're playing games in Texas and Kansas and... Yeah, really basically all over the country and that's going to alleviate a lot of that. And I just think it's going to bring back, uh, a hopefully a great sense of rivalry and, uh, bottom line, I think it could be really exciting. And, you know, the only problem I have, and I just love football and think they call it football for 10 years down the road, 50, whatever it may be, I just, to be a player, I think maybe five years from now, uh, redesign Andy, I I think you have to look at that to make sure that we have a power football team and go from there. But, uh, I'm not the person making decisions, but just from a standpoint of what it'll do for UConn, I think it'll do an awful lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things there. I mean, first of all, on the football side, when you got to UConn, you know, they weren't major college football. And, you know, same thing about the rivalry. I mean, you're playing schools like Maine, Rhode Island, try to make a go. Uh, you know, I had a little bit of a blip of success when they played in the Fiesta Bowl. You know, the problem is, I'm curious your, your take on this, because even though we're basketball-centric uh, podcast and everything we cover here, but, you know, the plan, the way I understand it now, is go independent, try to schedule independent, play teams that are in your region. They're still pumping money in. They just uh, announced, you know, these major renovations. looks looks beautiful with the locker room. Um, but it's still... You know, in the facility, by the way, their are practice facilities like a state-of-the-art NFL facility. So there's been a lot of money pumped into it. You know, how do you just – and you've been in the administrative side as a little too toward the end of your UConn career. I mean, how do you just sort of pull completely out of that when you've had a lot of people just investing millions of dollars into a program?
0: Well, gentlemen, and you're right, Andy. I, you know, we've got so much equity already, in sweat equity and otherwise – and that, that, you know, I think that Randy, yes, we'll eventually get the thing turned around. I, I, but I don't think you have to look at it one particular team or a couple of years, top years to look at it now. I think you have to look at uh, what kind of school are we? You talked about us being Yankee Conference, and trips to Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, et cetera. But we're a top 20 institution academically now. It's a sprawling campus. It's a beautiful place. And very simply, if we want to be a player in 10 years, now five years, we're 20 years. I think we have to maintain football. I really do, and I'm to love it. So I'm a little bit selfish about that because I love football games and love going to them. And I think it's part of the institution. I think it would be foolhardy to let football go. And even with the cost, the biggest problem we have is very simply is that everybody's talking about money. But let's take the other sports besides football. You know, we're going to save an awful lot of money just on transportation for all these and going down to to, to, to the Florida and, and the Carolinas and Texas, et cetera. So I, I, I think that, yes, it's a fiscal tough one. But uh, I sat there when Michigan sold off the building. I sat there for the first game what, 15 years ago, 14 years ago. in Indiana when the place was sold off. I just think that uh, if it if, if we'll, we'll get people back in football and from the basketball and other standpoint, I, I, I think you got to know what's best for the university. I don't want to give up, like a lot of people, on what we have and what we've gained. And, I, and once again, people thought we could never win a Big East championship. We did win 17 of them. People didn't think we'd win national championships. We've won four now in men's basketball. My point being that we don't know what's going to happen with college athletics down the road. Let's make sure that we're there because I do think we can be a
1: player. Yeah, in terms of the American, Kevin Olley won a national championship in his first season out of the American. They won a conference tournament. But, you know, the end of the Ollie years and then the beginning of Dan Hurley, I mean, it's it, it has not been as easy. Uh, obviously, this has come at the time, the rise of Houston, Kelvin Sampson getting his program up to a national level. Uh, Cincinnati's been very consistent. Uh, obviously, UCF had a good year last year. We'll see what happens with Penny Hardaway and Memphis. I mean, there's going to at least be one more season in the American. How would you assess the way UConn, and, and by the way, I should mention Louisville was in the American that first year as well under Rick Pitino, how would you assess UConn's basketball tenure in the American to date?
0: Well, one of the things I said, and I said this very honestly, and Kevin always placed me, obviously, and I think Danny's going to do a great job there. Regardless of all that, you know, Gonzaga doesn't have any problem being a national player in a lesser conference. The key is, I and mean, you said it very good, I'm not saying, except for Villanova, I'm not saying that the American doesn't have a really good basketball conference. They do. But I'm saying is that people come up for you know, even a game of, of people they don't even know. I mean, Houston, Georgia. well, I know, but they're not Robbins. <laughs> and in the sense of who we are, what we are. You know, the one thing you can do, you can't buy rivalries. And we have rivalries in the Big East, a lot of good feeling. I can see what the Big East generally like when people used to go to train stations and thousands and thousands of Yukon fans would get off. All those kinds of law, And then for our uh, other programs, uh, you know, uh, you, there's no question. I, I, I think it's going to enhance games here at UConn. So I, I, I think that the payback we're getting on the whole situation can't be measured in just dollars and cents. But you know, if, if we were making as a, as a basketball program in and around you know, 2010 and 11 national championship teams. We are making bringing in over six million dollars alone on just ticket sales. That is not the case. Right now, the American is a good, good conference, really good in football, by the way, and and a good basketball conference, good baseball conference. But what's best for UConn is, I think, the move we're about to make.
1: Yeah, there's no question in these non-revenue sports. Right now, they got one bus trip to Temple. Other than, you know, now you shift. And I know in field hockey, I think they were playing in the Big East. I mean, now you're going to have St. John's, Providence, Seton Hall. Uh, you can go down and take the train or bus to Villanova, even to Georgetown. So that's half the league right there. Where you could easily get to without having to get on a plane, which will be significant over the long haul for all those other sports. Because I look in all my travel that I'm doing now, I see these UConn players, whether it's tennis, volleyball, softball. I've been seeing them in the airport all the time, flying everywhere. And now you, you know, in the future, you wouldn't have to do that. I think that'll be significant over the long haul. Uh, in terms of the Big East, you know, they've been very fortunate in their sort of reconfiguration. That in the Big East tournament, I think the first year when you had Doug McDermott at Creighton, they were in. Other than that, it's been at least a Villanova, a Seton Hall, a Providence who have been at least getting to that semi and final. So there's not been that issue where where it's been Butler versus Creighton in the final, or Xavier Creighton. Now you add UConn in a year. Let's assume all this happens for 2021. You know, it gives them even another team where, you know, it's going to continue that feeling in the garden in New York. Uh, You experienced it for decades. What do you think that will be like to sort of re-energize the fan base, the donor class, everyone, to get that constant New York presence back?
0: Well, I don't think there's any question about that. I,
1: you know, I, I, I,
0: I, there's something I said about playing against your neighbors and your family, and and, and UConn kind of was like a family in, in the Big East for many, many years. The rivalries, the, the known players, the known coaches. I mean, I honestly, I mean, I know all the football and basketball coaches in the league and AAC. But once again, this is entirely different. It's going to be judged. I think everybody. I get more complaints from people. I don't know why they complain to me, I guess because I'm tall and they can see me but, <laughs> but about the us not being in the big east and what the big east tournament meant and what the rivalries meant. And you know, I give great credit to Seton Hall and Providence and Villanova as as Yukon, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Louisville got out, they filled the void. And, and there's no reason to believe that Yukon can't go back there. And once again I think it's gonna help recruiting. Because, you know, you think about Kimball Walker and Jalen Adams. I'm talking about, you know, not these kids. A lot of them have been great, great players at UConn. There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to be a lot of things. It's a very exciting time. I think there's a, some problems. I think, To me, the only major problem is football. And I think that that's got to be solved. But regardless of that, I just think that uh, it could be an exciting time for UConn fans and, and, and the state of Connecticut.
1: Well, look, there's no question with the tournament the next three years being in Fort Worth that's going to be something that the fans aren't going to be excited about, you know, from UConn uh, in the American Conference. So they're going to have to deal with that one year. Before I let you go, Jim, h- how should Dan Hurley handle and, and the program, let's assume this all happens for one more year where you've got that one lame duck year, uh, how do you handle that in the American for the lame duck year before you then get that re-energy going into the Big East?
0: I don't think it makes any difference to uh, Andy where he's playing. He's got to win. I don't mean to say have a big win season. He, he's building the program, but my point being is that as a coach, this is the most, every year is your most important year and you know Janie's now in his second year and he's done a job. I'm going to see the recruits tomorrow, matter of fact, I saw just one of them a couple when they visited, but uh no, I mean, I, I mean, we have good young team if the kid, Carlton, is who I think he can be, etc. He's going to be everything this year and, and, and yet when you're talking to recruits, talk about playing in Madison Square Garden, talk about playing in Villanova, etc. No, I mean, you got to go full board this year. He can't even be concerned about the schedule, just about getting wins because when everybody asks how you're doing, then ask him how you're feeling. <laughs> I mean, wins and lost, yeah. So, you know, I think he's going to do a fine job. And with I mean, a more about beside him, who understands all his history, I think, it's, I think it bodes exceptionally well for everybody.
1: And you, uh, how are you enjoying coaching You still keep going? No, I'm going to go another year without
0: question because. Uh, we almost all, all of our players back and we lost by four in the conference finals after having a good ending of the season and I loved it. I love being with the kids and that's gonna be a lot of fun, I hope. And you know, once again everybody asking me how we're doing. Well if we're winning, I'll be doing great,
1: thanks. And how are you feeling? I'm feeling great, thank you. Awesome. Well, Jim, always a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. Always always great talking to you. Talk to you later. Bye bye. And coming up next year on March Madness three sixty five, Kansas State's Bruce Weber joins me. He's the head coach of USA Basketball's under-19 team. They'll be heading off to Greece with a host of players who played in college basketball last season, and a number of players who will be joining college basketball next season. This is a team that certainly is going for gold, led by Bruce Weber. And joining me here on March Madness 365, Bruce Weber, the head coach of Kansas State, and also USA Basketball U19 head coach, and they have selected their roster For the tournament, and they're going to embark on that trip to Greece. Bruce, uh, there's a collection of guys that are played last season in college basketball, a collection of players who will be entering college basketball, and uh, I want to go over sort of the roster if we can. Your role, and then you know, then we'll obviously talk about Xavier Snead and K State and what you guys got coming back. So let's start with the roster that you're going to be taking with you overseas. Uh, overall, uh, what are the kind of components you see that you've put together that uh, you know certainly uh, you know has got a chance to win gold?
2: Well, I think the big thing with the selection committee and USA Basketball, and then our staff was. You know the U19. Everybody says is the toughest competition. Uh, Sean Ford even said it's probably tougher than the Olympics. And and you know so I guess that it's a it's a tough challenge to that we have in front of us. I think the thing that Sean Ford with USA Basketball talked a lot about was toughness and experience. And I think that was the biggest thing with the roster As we put it together. You know we have some guys that did play. You know freshman basketball in in high level conferences in the in the sec in in the big 12 and you know we hope that will uh, be very helpful for us they you know play the games at kansas at kentucky at you know at florida whatever it may be and then the other group uh, we got some young talented guys and for the most part they've been part of usa basketball uh you know won gold medals been part of you know the under 15 under 16 under 18 uh whatever it might be so they've had this international experience you know that you know we help will, will hopefully help us as we get deep into the the medal rounds so i feel good about the group it was very very tough um andy to, to cut uh the first cut was tough and then it was even tougher last night to go from 18 to 12 and we had a lot of discussions lots of calls and you know but the thing that I was very happy about when we sat down and talked with each individual their emotion their excitement about being part of it uh, you know it kind of gave you uh, you know get that heartbeat and you feel those chills going down down the spine It, it was it was happy you know very exciting for me to be part of that but also tough when we told some of them that they were not part of it. And, uh, you know, because those guys, you know, they got dreams and, and hopes of being part of and representing, the, you know, the USA basketball. So it, it, it's it been a interesting couple days for me, that's for sure.
1: So I want to just mention first the guys that did play last season because I think all four of these guys um, legitimately could be major factors for their teams coming up this season, potentially getting them into the NCAA tournament. That's Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State. Reggie Perry from Mississippi State, Kira Lewis from Alabama, and Trevion Williams from Purdue. What did you see so far from those four uh, that you're looking forward to coach? And maybe give us a little taste of what you think we could maybe see from them next season.
2: And, and Isaac from Oklahoma State also oh, is, yes. is part of it. Yeah, and so you got five of those guys. I think the big thing, again, talking to Matt Painter, the head of the committee, talking to Sean Ford, talking to Sean Miller, who's taking the team over, even Coach Van Gundy, who's had the the senior qualifying team, you know, point guard play was so important. So we we have experienced point guards. With Kyra, with Tyrese, with Isaac, they've all played in high-level games. They, you know, been in the NCAA tournament. Some of them, um, you know, so they've been through that. And then, and then the big guys—you've got to have strength and power inside. Travion uh, Williams for Purdue was, you know, a, a big factor down the stretch in the NCAA tournament. Had a double-double during the year. And then Reggie Perry could you know be a real force if he plays at a high level we we have a great chance of winning it and you know that's this is a young man that also went to the combine and and played well so he's been very very busy you know we hope that experience and that toughness that they have will be a a major benefit for us uh, as we progress in
1: the tournament. How about a player like Jeremiah Robinson Earl who's going to Villanova a lot of hype, obviously, that he'll have an impact with the Wildcats. What did you see from him that you think will apply to your team uh, coming up here in Greece?
2: Well, if you've been around him, very mature, uh, you know, so dedicated uh, toward the game. He, You know, we gave him a chance to come in and lift weights. And, he, you know, he was asking about it. When can I lift weights? He wants to put in that time. Uh, He was under under 18 last year that won the gold medal in the qualifying, the regional qualifying. He, you know, was, I think it was the leading rebounder. So, and he's really improved spent the year at IMG, even though he hasn't played college basketball, he seems to have the maturity that a lot of high school kids do not have. And, and I think he'll be very helpful.
1: So I want to shift to, well, first of all, your staff, before we do that, uh, you've got Mike Hopkins and Laval Moten, you know, Hopkins obviously has been around USA basketball quite a bit at the highest level when Jim Bayheim was an assistant to Mike Shashevsky, So, you know, Mike was uh, an assistant at Syracuse. Then he was around Team USA for quite some time. Uh, When you when when these staffs are put together, uh, especially when you're going to spend so much time together uh, overseas, what needs to make sure, you know, happens with this grouping that, that everyone is on the same page? Not that you just get along, but philosophically are going in the right direction, especially when you could potentially go into some hostile environments.
2: yeah, I, I think it's real important and And from our fo- first phone conversation, and we've had several of them over the last uh, couple of months, uh, it's it seems like we've all connected, and you know you mentioned Mike Hopkins. You know, he dedicated many, many months to help the senior national team uh, with Coach Beheim, Coach K, the, you know, film breakdown scouting reports. Uh, He told me he was assistant to the assistant. So he did a lot of the grunt work. And so that experience will be invaluable. I'd love to that we're putting his zone in it. You know, it's, he does a great job of teaching it. I think our kids like it. They've been, uh, you know, really bought into it. And then Lavelle is just, you know, if you've been around him three, three out of the last five, I think NCA tournament with North Carolina central probably deserves a job someplace, a uh, chance to move up, but it, good energy, enthusiasm kids like him. He, he's very real with them, talks to them. And, and then he, you know, he's a good coach. I've been really, really impressed his knowledge. And, you know, I've let him do some of the, the full court press stuff and and some of the ball screen defense and it just done a great job. But so far we, we, we really get along and, you know, and then I have Shane Southwell, my, who was my grand assistant former player kind of helping as our, our guy, our assistant to the assistant. So, we've had fun. If you've been around it out here and you have the court coaches, the committee out here for several days, it's a great time to be around coaches and tell stories and talk basketball. And it's it's really one of the special parts of the being part of USA basketball.
1: All right, before I let you go, Bruce, I want to shift to your team. Uh, Co-Big 12 champs with Texas tech. They ultimately went on uh, to play for the national championship, losing to Virginia. You guys do get back Xavier Steed. I know the NCAA tournament did not go the way you wanted, getting upset early to UC Irvine after getting to the Elite eight the year before that loss to Irvine, uh, despite coming after winning a share of the Big Twelve, uh, how long did it take you to sort of to deal with that? Because the whole season as a whole was a success, but you know how things are judged, and you know sort of the flip of the year before, maybe the regular season wasn't as good, but you guys had a great postseason. Um, you know, when you think back to the last two seasons.
2: Well, you know, to me, I, I really tried to put it. A- it hurts. There's no doubt when you lose in the NCAA tournament, it sticks with you, but I wanted to make sure we celebrated what we did. And, you know, the, the the resilience of our guys to have Dean Wade out twice during the season and still win the big 12 to have Cam Stokes out, you know, several times and, and not even, we couldn't practice at the end of the year. And then Cardi HR goes down and he's out for four weeks and we still win. You know, it, it just was amazing Barry Brown's leadership, all those guys, you know, we're hoping, you know, Dean Barry, I think they'll be on rosters, you know, coming up. I don't know if they'll get drafted tonight. We'll see. They've had some good workouts. Uh, Kamal Stokes was a great leader for us. I think he'll hopefully be on a summer league team. And But I still feel good about what we have coming back. We have, you know, three, I think should be three of the better players in the Big 12, and a chance to be three of the better players in the country. And Xavier Steed put his name in, waited till the last minute, came back. I'm so happy to have him back. He, you know, he's an established guy. He scored 20 points against Kentucky in the, in the Sweet 16. Uh, Cartier Jara, you know, he is as talented as anybody. And if we can get us, keep him healthy and keep him making progress and understanding the game, I think he can be. One of those special players. And then McCall Mawin had a double-double in the NCAA tournament. He's had some really nice moments. You know, and the the focus, can they go from the other guys to the guy? You know, and then we got to have something on Mike McGirls played in the NCAA tournament. Levi Stockard, you know, those guys got to come up. And then we feel good about our young guys. We had a young man out here that tried out Juan Gordon. A Chicago City player you really showed well. You know, it was it was tough to, to let him go, but, uh, you know, there's so many good players out here. But uh, we got two forwards, I think, are going to surprise some people. Montavious Murphy from Houston and Antonio Gordon from uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. I, you know, I think we have a good freshman class, and, you know, we're going to have to have some other guys really step up.
1: Yeah, there's no question, Bruce. You've got the program to where it can be a regular in the NCAA tournament, which is exactly what you want it to do and compete near the top of the Big 12 every season. Bruce, have a very safe trip to Greece, and I know we'll check back with you uh, later in the uh, in the summer, maybe into the fall, but uh, great job with what you're doing with USA Basketball, and uh, good luck.
2: Thank you. Hopefully next time we're celebrating winning a gold medal, so that's the goal and the challenge, and uh, looking forward to it. Thank you, Andy.
1: And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. As always, you can find our podcast wherever you download your podcasts on iTunes. Check out ncAA.com, March Madness, all our social media handles to find our podcast. On the website, on social media, you'll find our latest Power 36. Digest and debate that all week long. Thanks for listening.